Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Trinity Podcast. My name is Matthew, the parish pastor on the east side. Our scripture for today that we'll be reflecting on is Matthew 13, 53 to 58. And after reading, I'll pray and then share a couple of reflections with you. When Jesus had finished these parables, he left that place. And when he came to his hometown, he began to teach the people in their synagogue so that they were astounded and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these deeds of power? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Are not all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all this? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except in their own country and in their own house. And he did not do many deeds of power there because of their unbelief. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord Jesus, we pray that we would have ears to hear you today. We remember that because you have ascended and the Holy Spirit has come, which we celebrated on Sunday, that you are with us right now. We don't have to go somewhere to find you. You are available to us. And so Jesus, draw close. Holy Spirit, come and let us hear the words of God spoken over our life, calling us into the way of Jesus, a way of humility, a way of peace, a way of courage. Give us, Lord, a taste of your presence so that we can walk in the ways of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. It's always interesting to record these things a day or two before they are published because the world is changing so quickly, it's... it's. <laughs> It's always a little bit of a mystery as far as what the world will be like that you all are listening to this in. Probably won't be like massive seismic changes, but I mean, just think about the difference between this Tuesday morning podcast and last Tuesday morning podcast and how much has actually happened in that time. We're living in rapidly shifting realities and and they're good. They're good because people are waking up and they're they're finally addressing things that have been going on under the surface for a long time and we're deciding we're deciding that is an, enough is enough and and what that is meaning is that for many for many people in the church even many of us here at Trinity we are choosing to begin to talk about things that have been easier to ignore for a long time and it's going to be really easy for us I think to um, to try to re- return to some kind of normal. Um, where where these things aren't front and center because these conversations are uncomfortable because they make people around us uncomfortable. But let me just you know remind remind you why why we can't do that because for when when I say return to normal, what I mean is that that would mean that I get to return to a life in which I don't have to deal on a daily basis with the reality that millions of my brothers and sisters do on a daily basis live with systemic oppression and injustice. That has been going on for centuries. And I have the luxury and the ability to live outside of that. And that is in and of itself something to be grieved uh, and repented of. So anyway, I've been thinking a lot about the sort of conversations that this calls us to have and how when we begin to stand for things that are difficult or things that cut against the grain, um, that can get really that can get really hard. And into that idea comes this story, this strange little story about Jesus going home. And when he goes home, he tries to do the same thing at home that he was able to do in other places. He was able to do in Capernaum. He was able to do in Jerusalem. But in Nazareth, in his hometown, with his family and friends, the people who'd known him since he was a little kid, it didn't go over well. 
And I think that there is a lesson for us in that. Not that I'm comparing Jesus's um, return home to declare the kingdom of God is the same thing as you and I having hard conversations with people who might misunderstand us. I mean, there are, uh, they're not the same thing, but there are some principles that carry over. And there's also some um, comfort, I think, in seeing Jesus have experiences where he goes uh, to say a thing and he does so with love in his heart and he's misunderstood and dismissed and how he deals with that. So the first thing I just want to just draw out of this text and just remind you of is that Jesus had a hometown. You know, we tend to create Jesus into some sort of spiritual guru that sort of floated above the surface of the earth. And um, that's not who he was. He was a real person. He had a hometown. He had a place he'd grown up in. He had a street that was where his house was. He had a favorite uh, falafel joint or whatever. He, he had a hometown. He had people who had known him his whole life. And so Jesus knew also what it was like to go home and to have it be hard. Uh, he knew what it was like to have those uncomfortable family dinners where he would say something and look up to see his brothers lock eyes and make a face, or to watch his mother's face grow more and more concerned the longer he went on uh, talking about a thing. One time Jesus' family actually tried to come and seize him while he was teaching somewhere else. They came and they found him because they said, quote, he has gone out of his mind. They were embarrassed. And they thought Jesus was bringing embarrassment and shame on their family. And they thought the only way to stop this is to stop him. We have to seize him. And think about what that would be like. Jesus knew what it was like to be made the butt of jokes, told by the people who knew him best. Jesus had a hometown. And in that hometown, uh, because it was his hometown, they knew things about Jesus that other people didn't know which is what we see in this thing. Jesus goes home, he goes to Nazareth, and he begins to do what he's doing everywhere else. And they immediately begin to deconstruct what he's doing based on his family history. They say to him things like, or to one another rather, isn't this uh, the carpenter's son? They don't even say his name. Isn't this Mary's son? Jesus is dismissed because his hometown knows the dirt on him. And I'm not saying that Jesus was a bad kid when he grew up. He wasn't selling jewels to his classmates behind the high school, driving around Nazareth too quickly with the music blasting. I mean that they knew Jesus' origin story. And Jesus' origin story, which we know from Luke chapter 1 and 2, Matthew 1 and 2, Jesus was by all, by all perceptions seen as the illegitimate son of the Virgin Mary, um, Jesus the bastard of Joseph, a son who was born without a father into a family, into a couple that was not yet married. And that was Jesus's origin story. That's why, that's why it was so scandalous what was going on. These were the whispers that circled around the head of Jesus his whole life. And because of them, now in this moment, Jesus is being easily dismissed. So Jesus says, prophets are not without honor, except at home. And as he's saying that, he's essentially saying, um, you and I will always find it harder to be received in a place that can easily dismiss us. It's just part of it. Familiarity, in that sense, um, it, it, it doesn't take much for it to breed contempt. And that's what's going on here. And because of that, Jesus' work is just unfruitful. It's just he can't do as much good there. Um, he, he was able to do more in Capernaum, in Jerusalem, even in Samaria, even in a place where there weren't Jewish people, he's able to have more effective ministry. And he's frustrated by this. He's frustrated by it because he loves these people and this is his place, but he's misunderstood and therefore he's easily dismissed and brushed aside. And in the end, uh, Jesus just kind of leaves and goes somewhere else. So what does this have to do 
with us? Well, I'll just say this uh, sort of as a closing thought. This cultural moment that you and I are living in does, I believe, as disciples of Jesus, it requires a response. It requires speaking up. It requires potentially being misunderstood. It requires action. Silence is not really an option. Um, Dr. King said, there comes a time when silence actually becomes betrayal. He says in another place, in the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but we will remember the silence of our friends. And part of what it means for us to live in this moment, which I believe is potentially a transformational moment in our country's history, um, that is only going to happen if you and I are willing to be misunderstood and dismissed and to speak for the truth, to speak for the principles and the ethics of the kingdom of God, and to let people say that we're wrong, and to let people uh, deconstruct what we're saying. Um, But I'd also want to draw this out of the life of Jesus. In the end, Jesus' family did receive him. They did receive his message. But the thing that convinced them of Jesus' message was not his words alone. It was his life. It was the life that he led that embodied the kingdom of God that in the end had them realize that he was telling the truth about himself, about the world, about God, about the kingdom. Now, I know I'm walking a bit of a theological tightrope here because it sounds like I'm saying that Jesus's family coming to profess faith in Jesus as the son of God is the same thing as your friends or family, your hometown people agreeing with you on race. Those are not the same thing. Uh, They're not completely distinct in the sense that I actually think God's heart is for um, justice and it is for renewal, and that involves what we're believing in and also what we are doing. And so I actually think that um, fighting for justice is in every way consistent with God's vision for our life. But um, they're not the same exact thing. But the principle, the principle is this. Uh, Loved ones, friends, it is our lives more than our words that matter. It is lived conviction. It is the lived conviction that actually will be the greatest change. That is true. And it is what we are called to do in this moment. Our words do matter. The conversations do matter. And we need to keep having them. Even posting on social media matters. It keeps the conversation in the air. And that can be a good thing. Um, But in the end, Jesus' family um, believed because of his life. It was the lived message of his life. And this is what you and I are called to in this this moment. I do hope that um, that we do not grow weary. I do hope that we do not become easily fatigued, that we do not try too quickly to return to normal. Normal is not an option for us. We need to be willing to continue to move towards a new tomorrow, something that is an embodiment of the kingdom of God. There's an old French Teza song based on a passage from from Romans. And it just simply goes like this. The kingdom of God is justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then it says, come Lord and open in us the gates of your kingdom. Come Lord. And open in us the gates of your kingdom. And so we pray, Lord, that you would come and give us courage to be gateways to your kingdom. A kingdom 
that is justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Grace to all of you. Bless you. Uh, We will see you when we see you.